0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
1: The importance of sleep. Cambridge neuroscientist Dr. Mick Hastings from the MRC Laboratory of Molecular Biology and Dr. Ak Reddy from the Institute of Metabolic Sciences, Cambridge University, spoke at the annual Cambridge Neuroscience Seminar about their work on sleep. They explained their research on the importance of sleep for learning and memory, preventing cancer, the health of your heart, mopping up toxic waste in your body, winning that Olympic gold medal and why you shouldn't have that midnight kebab. I'm Dr Hannah Critchlow and I went along to the seminar to discuss their work with them. Firstly, starting with Mick Hastings talking about his research.
0: Okay, well I'm interested in the circadian body clock which is the thing that makes us wake up in the morning and go to sleep at night. Especially interested in a small part of the brain called the suprachismatic nucleus, which actually is our body's principal circadian clockwork. Found in a part of the brain called the hypothalamus, which is just above the roof of your mouth, actually, if you were looking to do it anatomically. We're interested in the genes that code for the components of the body clock. We're interested in how those genes are activated, the types of proteins that they produce, and it's these proteins which take part in what's called a feedback loop which is in fact the actual process that enables the clock cells to define for themselves an approximately 24-hour cycle.
1: And what kind of methods do you use to investigate this cycle and how it's regulated?
0: We use primarily genetically modified mice. These are mice which carry particular genes which cause the brain cells in those mice to become bioluminescent at certain parts of their circadian cycle. And we can record the actual clockwork as it goes through its paces, producing proteins in the day, breaking the proteins down at night, and then producing proteins again on the following day.
1: And are there people or even mice that have impaired circadian rhythms.
0: The most obvious for many people's experience is jet lag where you move between time zones but a far more insidious and from my viewpoint more important issue for public health is rotational shift work. Um, People who spend a working life on rotational shift works are forever messing up their circadian body clock and we see that they have a significantly increased uh, susceptibility to metabolic disease and cancer what have you. So Keeping a healthy clockwork going is very important for for the quality of our health.
1: There's also been uh, in the press recently talking about Margaret Thatcher who had a very small amount of sleep every day. I think it was four or five hours that she used to survive on and, and she's sadly suffering from Alzheimer's dementia at the moment. Could you comment on Alzheimer's and cognition and the role of sleep for cognition?
0: That's a really interesting question because... You know What's sleep for? Well, sleep is for the brain to make sense of everything that happened to it during the day when the person was awake and to store down memories, to modify existing memories and fundamentally to allow the brain to change its biochemistry and that change in biochemistry is, is what memory is. Um, so if people have disrupted sleep-wake patterns, then of course their uh, memory systems are going to be less effective and, and they'll be able to re- clearly learn things less well Note there for teenagers at school and students, and also generally function less effectively in, in, in the social world. Now, you raised specifically the question about Alzheimer's dementia. One critically important feature about these neurodegenerative diseases, such as Alzheimer's, is that the patients suffering, so even in the early stages of the disease, have disturbed sleep-wake cycles. We don't know why that is. For several reasons possibly why it may be but the observation is that sleep-wake cycles are disturbed and it's that which is the major driver unfortunately for people with such a condition to be put into nursing care to leave their home it's not necessarily because they're cognitively impaired because they're demented it's because it's just almost impossible for a family setting to look after a person who loses their 24-hour normal sleep-wake cycle.
1: Thank you. And do you know whether there's a direct link between sleep and learning and memory? Can you talk more, more about that, to provide us some more details?
0: When sleep happens, the actual biochemical processes, for example, in a part of the brain called the hippocampus, which is necessary for laying down memories, are very different from the waking state. And it's almost as if, because we live our lives on a regular 24-hour cycle, the clocks in the brain, actually make it possible for genes to be expressed, for enzymes to be active in the hippocampus when we expect to be asleep, which actually consolidate our memory. Whereas when we're awake, we're not looking to consolidate memory, we're looking to acquire new information about the world. And at that stage of the cycle, the clocks in the brain make sure that we're producing the enzymes and the neurotransmitters that are necessary actually to engage with the world and take on sensory information. So it's two completely different states or brain function, and each is the you know, complement to the other.
1: And so obviously people who are doing shift work and having altered sleep patterns, their cognition, their memory may be affected as a result.
0: Most definitely. It's, everyone's had a, a bad night, or the, many people, of course, have, have, have had to work through the night, and they know how it feels the morning after. There's elements of... Sleep loss, um, a sleep debt, as so it's called, but also circadian disruption underlying that. And the, the really important, the debilitating condition, is rotational shift work. The, where these uh, insults to the brain, to the cognitive system, are being applied on a regular basis, unrelenting, in fact, and the body clock can never actually catch up with the new demands that are being made on it. And in those circumstances, for sure, there will be cognitive impairment.
1: We're now going to move over to Reddy, who's going to describe some of the um, findings that he's going to be presenting at today's Cambridge Neuroscience Seminar.
2: So in a similar way to uh, what Mick was describing in terms of um, partitioning sleep and wake and and other processes that happen on a 24-hour basis, um, our works really started trying to look at the basis for why circadian rhythms actually evolved in the first place. Um, And one of the reasons why we think that they evolved is to do just that to partition things that should happen in the day um, from things that should happen in the night and a a classic example that's used in, in the circadian world is partitioning the effect of light on dna for example so you don't want to Um, synthesize and replicate your dna when there's lots of light around because it might come in contact with uv radiation and therefore be more susceptible to mutation so you do most of that at nighttime and there's good evidence for that in in even rapidly dividing organisms like bacteria that they separate out these two processes into different parts of the day in humans you have similar functional division of processes like you make glucose in the daytime predominantly and you break it down when you need it more at at a different time of day Um, and so if you look at multiple different organisms, you can see these same kind of phenomena arising that you partition things at different times of day. Um, and until now, we had not really been able to look at why that might be the case in multiple different species. And that's really kind of what we've been looking at um, more recently. And we've, we've really focused on a protein called peroxybedoxin, um, which is involved in metabolizing hydrogen peroxide, which is a kind of nasty substance that we produce in our bodies and, in fact, most most organisms on the planet produces a byproduct of making energy essentially because you have to use oxygen to make energy and as a byproduct you naturally produce this reactive oxygen species called hydrogen peroxide and we're really trying to figure out why and how that has kind of intermingled intermingled into the clockwork mechanism um, in multiple different species and that's what i'm going to be talking about today
1: and what kind of technique do you use in order to study this hydrogen peroxide mopping up almost by the body and how it's controlled by the circadian rhythm
2: Well, really, we've focused on a very old and simple technique, which is using Western blots. So this is literally just looking at um, the changes in a a protein, uh, its level, or in in this case, actually a modification of the protein over time. Uh, And it's a really simple, basic type of assay. At the moment, we're developing new techniques to actually look at this in real living cells using fluorescence and bioluminescence. Um, but we haven't yet got enough data to show that uh, to the public at the moment. But we're working essentially with tried and tested tools.
1: And people may be also interested to hear that even your blood cells have their own circadian rhythm. That they have their own, e- their own 24-hour clock within, within a cell that hasn't even got a nucleus. Mm-hmm. Can, you, can you explain a little bit about the paper that I believe you published <laughs> In the last 12 months on this?
2: Yes, I mean, that was, it it wasn't really that we went out looking for, uh, you know, rhythms in red blood cells. It was really to answer a specific question. We wanted to know, um, because people didn't really believe that you could have rhythms without gene expression um, going up and down over the 24 hour cycle in complex organisms like humans. It had been shown in simple things like bacteria, but never in in, in nucleated organisms like us. Um, And so it was really just to see whether it was possible, and the red cell was an an ideal uh, mechanism in which to do that in fact it's probably the only cell type you could use for that type of experiment so it's really a tool rather than a kind of um, you know this is really important in biology but it obviously has consequences for things like performance um, in athletics and things like that which we know do actually have a, a circadian basis so you know elite athletes athletes will go to a certain place in the world and acclimatize there to avoid the things that jet lag um causes when you move between time zones to make sure that you're on peak performance for your particular race or whatever you're doing.
1: And so the important messages that are coming across is that sleep is incredibly important for us in terms of a number of different functions for our body. It's regulated by this master clock in the brain and this directs the body clocks of your body. The altered sleep-wake pattern that can be caused by rotational shift work and also even Alzheimer's can affect our cognition, so our learning and memory. And it can also affect other aspects of body physiology, so for example affecting how we mop up toxic wastes and also DNA replication and performance even in sports. Are there any other key things that could be affected if our body clocks are mistimed?
2: You've mentioned cancer, things like that. Um, uh, Recent studies have shown that skin can be susceptible to to light. It's kind of an obvious thing. Uh, Arrhythmias in in the heart, that's been shown recently in in a paper. Um, And, of course, there's a growing literature about metabolism itself. Um, So actually having a kind of resonance with the outside world and making sure that you're eating at the right time of day is very important. So if you just simply mistime... When you eat your meals, it can lead to um, you basically putting on more weight than you should do, for example. So this, this old adage of people saying that you should eat um, a breakfast like a king and dinner like a pauper is probably actually correct. Um, you should try and eat lots of your food in the daytime, at least if you're a human, and the reverse if you're a rodent, um, to make sure that you're actually in tune with the outside world and you're maximizing
0: your fuel expenditure and that's a great reason as to why despite all the attractiveness of it one should not have a donut kebab at midnight because the problem is all the fat all the triglycerides all the nasty things that are in that tasty kebab your liver because your body clock works to a different time isn't actually prepared to deal with them and it's that type of thing that poorly controlled Uh, absorbance and and mobilisation of fats actually leads to your arteries being clogged up. So best to avoid the midnight kebab.
1: Thank you Mick Hastings from the MRC Laboratory of Molecular Biology, Cambridge, speaking about the master clock in the brain, and ACREDI from the Institute of Metabolic Sciences, University of Cambridge, talking about the clocks of your body. Both presenting their research at the Cambridge Neuroscience Seminar.